All right, this is a big story. So the uh, National Post started reporting on this. Toronto Hospital fires around 150 employees yesterday after uncovering multi-million dollar fraud. The fraud scheme scheme rather uh, was uh, it could be the the largest and longest lasting benefits fraud sc- schemes ever discovered in Canada. And it happened at a Toronto geriatric hospital, which is Baycrest Health Sciences. They feel that it went on for, you know, eight years at the very least. That's the only records they have. Could have been longer. And 150 employees falsely claimed as much as $5 million in benefits over an eight-year period. One employee um, had taken more than $100,000. Several had pocketed the amounts of $25,000. The majority of staff unionized. Job care categories included registered nurses, personal support workers, housekeepers, cleaning staff. No criminal charges have been filed, and none of the allegations made by Baycrest and its investor investigators have been proven in court. But they spoke with the police twice, and unless they get back to the police, police won't do anything about it. Because it doesn't involve public safety, just in, in, involves a problem with their um, employees. And the CEO of Baycrest Health Sciences said that it had to be done in such a way that it was orchestrated and it escaped at least detection by the benefits administrator. It's a betrayal of trust. So basically, they called people in yesterday and said, you either resign right now or you're fired. They were given the opportunity to come clean and resign. Now, this is worrying because I think it's about... Uh, according to the source in the National Post, this is a reduction in staffing levels. It could be concerning. But because the hospital knew they were going to dismiss people for weeks, they have been hiring people, asking part-timers to take more hours. Staffing agencies have been hired to bring people in. And so they fired 150 of the hospital's roughly 1,800 employees. That, That could be something that... It could be worrying if you have you know, family member in that hospital, but they say they've got everything under control. And the reason why they discovered this is they, I think they brought in um, a consultant to investigate possible partnerships with other hospitals and a network of approved providers. And then they noticed some uh, providers from other cases of benefit misuse involving orthotics and orthopedic shoes and compression stockings and braces, maybe some of the ones that were involved with the TTC case. And I I think in St. Mike's they had a situation a while ago. So, you know, they're keeping their eyes peeled. But to find out more about this, the benefit scams and how they work, we're joined by Gary Askin. He's a former Waterloo Region police officer, now assistant vice president of fraud risk management at Sun Life. Welcome to the show, Gary. Good morning. So this this could be one of the largest and longest lasting benefit fraud schemes ever discovered in Canada. They figure somehow it had to be well organized and orchestrated. So somebody had to be working from the inside to convince other employees to get on board with this. And the result is 150 of them lost their jobs and the company, the hospital Baycrest, is out $5 million. Can you tell us how these scams usually work? Yeah, and that's um, this is not something that's actually that uncommon. That We're seeing this type of 
scheme being replicated, you know, right across the country. And the industry pays about 30, 34 billion in health and dental claims per year. So there's no shortage of, of criminals out there who are actively looking for uh, rich benefit plans in order to, so they can target them. And usually what happens is the, uh, you know, there's a recruiter, we call them, who would, uh, who would know somebody who has some credentials, um, let's say massage therapy, physiotherapist, osteo, or some type of profession who are willing to, you know, abuse or sell those credentials. And um, they, they start to um, recruit people from their workplace in order to get them to participate in the scheme. Now, what's really interesting is, is that uh, and Veronix did a study and found that about 75% of Canadians incorrectly believed the only punishment that they would get uh, for participating in benefit fraud is they'd have to pay higher premiums or possibly they'd have to pay it back. So when these recruiters um, start um, trying to promote these schemes to individuals, uh, as you can see, like many of the Canadians would feel like, Okay, well, everybody else is doing it. Uh, there's also a sense of entitlement from some individuals, and I think you can see that in regards uh, there's some comments in the article about one individual in particular who um, felt, uh, I think, uh, yeah, she didn't I, get a raise or something. Yeah, I've got it here, and she said it's, uh, uh, she thought it was unfair they weren't giving her a second chance and that she should have an opportunity to pay back the money in question. She said she learned of the scam from a co-worker and began claiming for physiotherapy she didn't receive in 2012, but stopped two years later. And she said, given that she was paying more each month into a health benefits plan, she she actually thought, well, I'm not I'm not using what I pay, so right. I deserve it. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, and that's something that, that we see time and time and again, there's this sense of entitlement. There's also what we see is that in many cases, a lot of the, the members that participate in this don't really realize that they're stealing from their own employer. They think they're stealing from an insurance company. So there's that type of information. So as an industry, we really have to get the, the awareness out there about how serious this is and, and how having, having insurance benefits is, is, is such a luxury. But, you know, the, uh, the funds aren't unlimited as to what they can pay for. It's these collusion-based schemes that we're seeing in this case and then in other cases that are really, uh, can really seriously impact and threaten you know, benefit plans in general. And most of the fraud we're seeing actually is, are these collusion-based schemes. And that, that's about, I think we're thinking around 87% of fraud that's occurring are collusion where everybody is in it, everybody's working together in it to target a specific plan to take out as much money as possible from that plan. But and, Gary, is, is, are they being naive? Like they're thinking safety in numbers, but wouldn't that raise more red flags? Yes, to a certain degree. I, I mean, it, it definitely, uh, the, those fraudsters that, there's fraudsters out there that kind of try to operate under the radar, but we still have analytics to pick up on that as well. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a case where um, these are difficult to investigate because this is, it used to be, it was more like f- trying to find a needle in a haystack. Well, mm-hmm. now, it's, now it's like trying to find a needle in a stack of other needles, and all the needles look the same. Why is that, Gary? Well, because when everybody's in on it, it no analytics can f- prove without doubt that that a fraud is occurring because if a doctor's in on it, the provider's in on it, we speak to the members, they say they got the service, we speak to the provider, the provider says they delivered the service, we have a doctor's prescription, any documents we ask for, we get. So from that perspective, 
these collusion-based schemes, I mean, it could be all fake, it could be all false, everybody's in on it. So that's where we really need, and that's what Sun Life has, we've got the analytics to pick up on other things, to start asking questions as to, you know, well, why is this happening? You, you know, all the documents are looking like it's a legitimate claim, but we have other reporting that, that says this just not, does not pass the smell test, and now we have to put the human element on it. And, uh, and then once we start partnering with our clients and getting into the workplace and speaking to the members, that's how we crack these collusion schemes, and, and we've been pretty successful in doing that. Uh, but you really have to get in front of the members and start asking them questions about, about you know, did they attend these, these locations? If they did, you know. What do they look like? Where are they? Who, who, who are the receptionists? How many rooms do they have? And frequently, a lot of these members have never been to these places. Oh, they my just, gosh. They, they just got the receipts and they submitted them. Okay, they, this could be a good time for you to break this down then, Gary. Um, tell us about the two types of fraud that uh, that are most common then when we're talking about benefits fraud. Well, basically, billing for services not rendered. is, is How does that work? Well, um, basically, uh, a person would go to a, a person would requ- acquire some receipts, basically, from uh, a provider, and or we've actually identified receipt selling shops where a person can go to. They can purchase all kinds of different receipts and um, submit them to the insurance carrier, and then uh, kick back half the money to the receipt selling shop. So there's no services actually being provided at all, no products being dispensed. Uh, We see high abusing schemes in like orthotics and braces and that type of thing. Um, but that that's pretty much the big one. But benefits fraud can can encapsulate so many different areas that they, you know can reach out in so many whether they're misrepresenting dates of service right. or billing for a non-covered service as a covered service. Somebody might go in and um, get teeth whitening instead of uh, and have it billed as something else. You would think that that are, are we just is it so hard to catch them that criminal charges are not being uh, is that why criminal charges aren't being laid because you'd think it provides um would say absolutely not why would i wade into that yeah and, and unfortunately most providers are honest and ethical individuals but um there's uh, there's some out there that keep popping up and those are the ones that we we go to the police with um because i think from their perspective i mean from the police perspective they're overwhelmed currently they don't have the capacity to take on all these fraud cases they're they're mostly looking at violent crimes against individuals or the very large, you know, organized crime schemes. But, you know, and we have encountered organized crime in being involved in this type of uh, scheme. And if they're not organized crime, sometimes there's just criminals that are very well organized. Um, so I think there's this notion that uh, if I do get caught, I might have to pay back the money, but the police probably won't take my case anyway. And this is something that we're, we're working, you know, we've partnered with the police on many occasions to... Uh, to get this message across, and we're we're actually involved in uh, some training initiatives uh, with the police, and we've spoken to the chiefs of police in the past in regards to this issue, and we're really trying to push for some new provincial offenses that would really kind of relieve the burden of the police. Like what, Gary? Well, basically, offenses um, under the Insurance Act that we could, that the new FISRA, which took over for Fisco, would start to lay. So, if let's say a, a um, a provider is counseling a member on what to say when the insurance company calls. That could be another offense. And we're not talking about a $500 fine. We'd be talking, you know, a fine in the tens of thousands of dollars. So just to try to 
eliminate some of the burden on police and have some other tools that we can use to cause some type of deterrence so people decide, you know, it's just not worth it to get in this business. We're also, we also uh, work with uh, Canada Revenue. We, we're pursuing a lot of these providers through civil fraud recoveries. It's uh, another project we're involved in. And we're also looking as an industry to start pooling our information so we can start determining, you know, if a massage therapist, let's say, for instance, is billing one insurer for you know 10 massages a day and another one for a dozen massages a day and a third one for half a dozen, well, that just doesn't make sense. So, you know, as an industry, if we can get together and and pool our information, uh, I think a lot of these uh, cases can be can be solved quite quickly. They say that this could be, as I mentioned before, one of the uh, largest and longest-lasting benefit fraud schemes coming out of Baycrest Health Sciences Geriatric Hospital. Five million dollars in, um, in in fraud was committed. They feel in benefits over an eight-year period, and that's all they have the records records for. Does this story shock you? Well, not really. Um, like I said, it, it is being replicated on different scales. I mean, it, it's really uh, uh, it, it's, it's it's happening everywhere. I mean, it, it's not. Uh, it's what not about something. the size of it? One hundred and fifty people. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, <laughs> You know, when we go to clients and, and, and discuss with them and when we, when we identify potential problems, it's, just, it's interesting that some of our clients are shocked that their members would participate in these type of schemes because I think everybody likes to feel that, that they hire honest, ethical people and they have good onboarding processes and they have code of conduct rules, so that should eliminate all this. Unfortunately, you know, we've, we've got cases where many professionals, this type of fraud knows no bounds. I mean, we've we've investigated and uh, had charged many individuals that are that have sworn, you know, or taken oaths to serve the public, have you know, sworn to uh, protect the public, and uh, yet it's still being committed. So we ask ourselves, well, why is that? You know, from our perspective the best weapon to, to stop this is really an informed public. Mm-hmm. And so when um, this is why we're constantly trying to get the message out through our industry and um, through our clients, is that when your member is sitting in the cafeteria and somebody approaches them with one of these schemes, you know, have that discussion with them before that happens so they can stand up and say, no, I've heard about this. This is fraud. Don't, you know, don't try to rationalize this and tell me this is not fraud. And don't try to tell me that, that, well, I didn't get a raise last year, so, you know, I'm entitled to this. This is straight up fraud. And uh, we need to get that message out to the public. Yeah, because you could be ending up with, uh, you know, there's no second chance. 150 people lost their job, and, um, you know, they just say, basically, the company said, you violated our trust. It's dishonest. Absolutely. Uh, Gary, I really appreciate your time today, and I think you got the message out to the 640 Toronto listenership, so thank you for that. Great. Thanks for your time. Have a great day. Gary Askin is a former Waterloo Region police officer, now assistant VP of Fraud Risk Management at Sun Life.